Here come the blue shirts. If you weren't awake to play in that kind of game, then you weren't made to play hockey in Madison Square Garden. He's got experience in the streets and in the alleys. <laughs> and in the alleys. He will whoop your ass. And I'm looking better now than I did before. Ron, She's there, it's all your fault. It's over for all of you. Once I'm on the team. Well, you're going to have to let me dress you, though. <laughs> oh, 100%. You cannot, that, that's going to be Ron Duguay's third act. Molly off the air. Wow. <laughs> Molly off the air. a whole different person. Yeah. Up in the He'll blue be courtside seat. and I'll be up in the blue seat. <laughs> Savannah Jack, right to the crease and they score. Just one of those nights where you have to battle. Might not be the prettiest, but it's two points. And um, that's the most important thing. Because Savannah Jack, Rister scores! And the Rangers have tied it at two. Teams that are good teams go through adversity no matter where it is in the season. And maybe we're facing a little bit of it now before Christmas, but I thought it was a great response. Just throw. Side of the net. Kreider comes in front. They score! Yeah, great pass by Kreitz and big goal for us. Keep playing. We played a good hockey game last night. Let's continue that same trend and we'll win more hockey games than we lose. Ooh, welcome back to a special Friday edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Happy holidays, everybody. Larry Brooks of the New York Post will join us, of course, in his weekly spot and that montage you just heard, courtesy of Bally Sports. You heard Mika Gallant, Strom, and Kako in that little montage by Andrew Hart. We'll also be joined by MSG Network Rangers analyst Joe Micheletti. But now let's welcome in the host of Up in the Blue Seats. That would be the queen of the post, traveling the globe, Molly Walker. And her co-host, Rangers great, number 10, Ron Well, hello, everyone. And yes, it's Friday. It's a different day for us to record. A lot of it had to do with our travels. Both Molly and I have been moving around. Um, I During the holidays, I like to go see friends, visit friends, family and friends. And I hadn't been to Canada. I hadn't been there in two years. So I decided to go out east, uh, St. John's. Uh, Nova Scotia, to do some appearing. If you're following me on Instagram, you know that I was a celebrity bartender, which is something I've never done before. And actually, Rocking a red jacket. Yeah, that was my Christmas jacket that I take out once a year. And so I, re- I, I really enjoyed it. And right now, Molly, in fact, kind of crossed each other in the air because I am now in Scottsdale next to Phoenix, where the Rangers were. And so I'm here with... Uh, family and then I'm going to be off to California but it's just a happy time of year for me so I'm enjoying today of course talking Rangers is always fun let's get right to it because we have a good show today we're gonna have Larry of course we're gonna have Joe Micheletti who's probably the nicest guy on television I've worked with him for over 12 years him and Sam are always a pleasure to listen to and uh, but for Molly uh, I know you've been doing a lot of travels I'm assuming you're enjoying it it's different for you these are early mornings for us but uh, why don't you give us an update because tonight the Rangers play Vegas and like to know an update on Blake who just had surgery and of course uh, Shesterkin goaltending has been fine Kincaid played last game but uh, what's the update on uh, on the boys well let's see where do we start I guess we'll start with Blake yes uh, I found out that he had surgery the other day on his ACL tear all seems to have gone well I saw a lot of fans, you know, writing that they think that he should be ready by the time that playoffs come if the Rangers do make the playoffs. And I, unfortunately, to be the bearer of bad news, I don't see that happening, especially considering.
wondering how long they had to wait for him to have the surgery really should let you know how bad the tear was and how swollen it was. Uh, I was told that they had to wait a substantial amount of time until the swelling went down um, in order to have the surgery successfully. But everything seems to have gone according to plan. So really good to hear that for Blay. And we'll see him next season, probably. As far as goaltending for the Vegas game tonight, I expect Georgiev to be in net. Shesterkin is still on injured reserve. I know that he has been skating with the team uh, for a couple of days now, but uh, nothing nothing too over-exerting. I think that this is the Rangers' star player. They're not going to rush him. They're not going to take any risks. They are going to wait until he is 110% ready to return. So I wouldn't expect him to be back between the pipes just yet, maybe a game or two more. And yes, I think we'll see Giorgi given net tonight. But Kincaid did pretty well the other night. Um, I think that I felt I felt for him because he hadn't played in so long. He was in COVID protocol for a bit in the AHL and hadn't had a start, let alone an NHL game. Uh, since last season. So he did pretty well given the circumstances and pulled out a win for them. And it was really good to see him. He uh, was very excited to be back, as you can imagine. That's all there is to report right now. I know everybody wants to know about Panarin. I don't think he'll play tonight against Vegas. Again, same thing as Igor. Why would they risk it? Why would they rush it? Um, especially with the position that they're in now, they're they're doing pretty well. So no panic button yet. Yeah. So thinking the, about the Rangers, um, they went up against Colorado and Colorado, you can tell uh, they've been a favorite the last few years. And we saw that Madison Square Garden beat the Rangers pretty good. And then I wanted to see how the Rangers were going to respond playing in Colorado. And I thought that they held in there pretty good. But it's pretty obvious to the league that Colorado will be a team to beat. But more than that, for the Rangers, it kind of gives them an idea. Of what do they have to do, assuming they're going to make the playoffs? And let's say they end up in the finals against Colorado. you got to be thinking, what is it that the Rangers need to do to get better to be able to compete against Colorado? And I'm thinking possibly another forward on a top six, maybe another defenseman. I don't know if they're going to address the goaltending. Is this something you're thinking about? as you're watching to think that they're going to go all the way to the final and meet Colorado is I think a bit of a stretch <laughs> but we know that you're you're Mr. Optimistic Ron so we'll let yes. you go with that <laughs> but <laughs> I will give you that and I will address your question I think that Colorado is such a high scoring team I mean they are just they just can score there is really no other way to to put it and I think that in order for the Rangers to hang with such a high-scoring team, yes, they're going to need another top six forward in order to do that. Someone who is a two-way forward that can also find the back of the net relatively consistently, especially when you have players like Kreider and Zabinajad who are just so streaky. You need one more very consistent guy that, that can put goals on the on the scoreboard. But yes, I also agree. I was, we were talking about it earlier. I think that in order for this Rangers team to take that next jump into being an act an actual Stanley Cup contender, they'll probably need to have reinforcements at every single position, at least one more, a top six forward, probably an established third pair defenseman. Right now, the Patrick Nemeth anchored third pair is not as great as it as it could be. No knack on Nemeth. Love talking to him. He's one of the great guys with media, but 
has had a couple of rough games. And when you look at his partners, Nils Lundqvist and, and Libor Hayek, Jared Tenorti on occasion, Nemeth is the one that's anchoring it. And that says a lot. <laughs> you know, Lundqvist is still learning. Hayek just doesn't have that kind of presence. So I'll probably need one more one more established defenseman on the back end. And then yes, Georgiev has done pretty well in his couple starts that he's had since Shisterkin went on IR. But I think that if he doesn't continue to play as consistently as he has, the last couple of games, then the Rangers will also have to address their backup position. And and Georgiev is going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the season. So it'll be very interesting to see where the Rangers go with that. So Jake, I got to ask you, last night, what was last night? Because you occasionally would like to go to games and you went to the Islander game? Occasionally. I think I go to more games than anyone on the planet in, <laughs> in New York. I'm doing my podfather duties, making my way around. UBS Arena, yeah, beautiful arena. Like, like Molly said, if you're a Ranger fan, got to go to rangers islanders bit of a trek you know the train is a bit of a hike but they have a shuttle gets you over uh shout out to the verizon lounge Kristen and sarah great food drink selection Kristen and sarah <laughs> unlimited drinks food and drinks the homies and verizon hooked it up beautiful like molly said it smells brand new they have it all so rangers islanders is a must uh, but no, you know nothing tops the garden i go to ranger games and uh the energy the atmosphere everything about the garden the aura molly walker up on the chase bridge hanging out go say hi to her up there maybe don't don't disrupt our work. Nothing ever will top the garden. You know that. Yeah. For us to stay connected with our listeners, uh, it'd be fun if you just capture some sign, uh, sound bites from a few of them at the game. Have you thought about doing that? That is my plan. Yeah. I mean, next time I go, uh, put my phone up in people's faces and think, uh, what do they think of the show? What do they think of the Rangers? Well, you heard it here first. You can look for Jake at the next <laughs> at the next Ranger game. But I think that we should talk about Philip Hedel's benching in the Arizona game. That was a little bit of a shock. Wasn't expecting it. But I think that Gerard Gallant is how we're pronouncing it now, by the way, guys. That's that's a new thing. Apparently, he he pronounces it as Gallant. So I guess we have to make that, a, that adjustment. Although I think he said he didn't really care which one, but just to be consistent, we have to go with Gallant now. But he said that he kind of walked back on himself a little bit. He said he didn't want it to be a message, but it kind of was a message to Filipino. And obviously, it was performance-based. So I think that they're trying to press the right buttons with their young players. But I mean, Ron, I'm curious to hear what you were thinking when you heard that Heedle wasn't in the lineup. Well, knowing Gerard, uh, he uh, he wants to uh, make sure all his players, when he's behind the bench, that they are noticeable to him. Uh, and that means different things. If you're not scoring, you better be doing something. And a lot of it is your compete level, which is your one-on-one battles. Wherever you're at, whether you're going into the corners, whether you're competing in front of the net, uh, going after the puck. He wants to see something a little extra out of his players. And that message was sent early on in training camp. So if uh, things aren't going right, he doesn't want you to just be out there and playing nice hockey and being casual. He wants you to go hard on the puck, take the body, be physical, no matter how old or young you are. He wants it and he expects it from everyone. And so I think he was probably not saying that. And that's why we're seeing a little different Lafaniere. Lafaniere gets it now. You can see when he's playing, he's doing his best to run into someone and wanting to fight hard to get the puck. If he loses it, 
He'll put the brakes on and go after it. So we're seeing more a lot of Fenier, which I think with time, we're going to see a better young player. But the, the message is the same with Heedle, regardless, especially when you're playing center. There's a little more responsibility playing center. I mean, you're having to come back deep. You're having to help your defenseman. You're having to track the puck. You have to be at the right place at the right time. Where wingers, you can kind of hang out in space and wait for the puck. As a centerman, there's a lot more responsibility. And so I'm assuming he's going to keep hanging in there with him and have him play center because they think of him as a, a star centerman. That remains to be seen. It's something we'll discuss with uh, Larry Brooks, whether possibly you put him on the wing because that same thing happened to me. My couple of years, I was okay at centerman, but they decided that they thought they saw more in me with my size and speed to be on the wing. And sure enough, they were right. Score 40 goals playing with Mark Pavlich. So possibly we may see that transition from center to wing for Heedle. Yeah, I'd be really curious to see if they do end up doing that because I agree, Ron. I think that at the very least, give it a try. He, we talk about this with Larry later in the show, but he had a stint on the wing during the David Quinn regime, and it was pretty successful for him. But I think that this range, the way this Rangers team is designed right now, is they're a little bit scarce down the middle. And if they were to move him to the wing, that's where it kind of gets fuzzy because then who? I mean, obviously, it would, right now Greg McKegg is is the uh, you know fifth centerman that that would step into that role. So it's do you want Greg McKegg or Barkley Goudreau too would probably move up, which is what happened during the Arizona game. He moved up to center the third line. Maybe one more injury to the forward group or a COVID protocol situation. Maybe we could see Gallant try to experiment with him on the wing. But yes, we get into it with Larry that it probably would be better for Heedle because he doesn't really have that distributing knack down the middle or a very obvious playmaking ability that you need to have to be a centerman. And especially on this Rangers team, they rely so heavily. You see it with Strom and Zabinijad. They rely so heavily on them distributing the puck in order to generate offense. And it's just not, hasn't really been there for Heedle, but he's Still young, still somewhat developing, although it's his fifth season in the league. So, But going back to Lafreniere, this is not the first time that Gallant is sending a message to his young players. We saw it with the brief stint on fourth line for Alexi Lafreniere, and he's just trying to you know, get the most out of them right now. So we'll, we'll see if it ends up working, but I would be pretty surprised if Heedle wasn't right back in the lineup tonight against Vegas. But Molly, I'm going to throw something out of left field. Something to think about. Oh boy. Keandre Miller. Love this kid, right? I see the skill in him. And I didn't know that before college hockey, he was a forward. I don't know if you knew this. It wasn't until college that he became a defenseman. Boy, would I love to see him spend some time on the wing. When you look at his, to get him a little more engaged, because he's he's got his own style. He takes players out. He's not a big physical guy with his size. He's got a long reach. He's smart, handles a puck. He can skate. But boy, would I love to see what it would look like because the abundance of defensemen that the Rangers have. Wouldn't you like to see him? on the top six, on the one on the left side, what that would look like. I just would love to see it just to give it a try. What I do you think? think? I think that's a little bit of wishful thinking there, Ron. But it's actually funny that you say that because we were joking with Gallant after that 
end-to-end goal that he had where it was like coast to coast and he swept across to the goal line and put it in. It was a beautiful goal. And we were joking with Gallant said something to the effect of, you know, are you thinking about putting Keandre as a forward now after seeing what he can do there? And he joked and said, you know, maybe, but I obviously not. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's definitely not something that they would ever do, I don't think. But yeah, Keandre is, and, and I address this in my, I have a mailbag coming up uh, with questions from our post sports plus subscribers you can sign up for that and ask me anything you want um, on my subtext feed but someone was asking me if keandre's should be more physical you know is that something that he should be focusing on more doing more of and i don't disagree but keandre miller's skill set is also more well-rounded than that he has other aspects of his game that make up for not being as physical along the boards you know not being a hit first mentality kind of guy he has tremendous reach he covers the defensive zone so well because he just takes up so much space. And sometimes when I watch him skate the length of the ice, I am stunned at how few strides it takes him to get to the other end of the ice. And that's a, a huge skill for a defenseman to have. And he is built to be a defenseman, I think. And I would love to see hit more of those drives to the net. And we did ask him about that, asking him if he sh- if he wants to do that more. And he, he said probably not. It's really not something that he does all the time unless the opportunity presents itself, which is a good thing. You know, you don't want, you don't want players making those types of moves if they're not going to even get close to the net. So, but I think that even though he might not be as physical as some people think he should be, because I mean, six, five, he's just got a big frame. So you would think that he would want to be more physical to use that to his advantage, but it's just not a main component of his game. And that's more than fine because I think that he has other skills that really, you know, make up for it. And let's not forget, he's still 21. I think he's developing and going through the learning curve, making mistakes and, and, but that that's how you learn. It's the same with Nils Lundqvist. It's the same with Lafreniere. They're so young. I, I, I People forget how young this team is and that everybody just needs to be patient. Everybody just needs to wait until these players to come into their own. We'll chat with someone young next. That'd be Hall of Fame writer for the Post, Larry Brooks, about the Rangers on Up in the Blue Seats. I got to tell you, I make it hot and spicy. Joining us on Up in the Blue Seats now is our Hockey Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer at the Post, Larry Brooks. Follow Larry on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy and read his stories in the New York Post and at Post Sports Plus. Don't forget to sign up. Larry, one of the big topics of conversation today has been the benching of Philip Heedle in the Arizona game. Just what did you make of that and Gerard Gallant's explanation? <laughs> Coming in hot, Larry. We're starting with the with the big stuff. <laughs> I didn't make very much of the explanation. Uh, listen, I, I don't think Philip has played especially well. He's a classic center. Look, I know he's young. He's 22, as he pointed out to me last week. He's still young because he actually came into the room last week with Candre uh, Miller for an interview session, and um, he was the older one. There was a joke about it, and I asked him. I said, you know, do you consider yourself a veteran? This is his fifth pro season. I'm not putting a timetable on it. I'm not, but he's in his fifth pro season, and he has more experience than a lot of players on the Rangers. And he said, no, I'm still young. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still learning. I'm 22, and all that is true. However, what I don't see from Philip 
is a progression as a center. Look, I could be way off on this because I think that the last coach knew more about hockey than I do. I think that this coach knows more about hockey than I do. They kept Philip in the middle rather than moving him to the wing. I know we've you know, we've touched on this before, Ronnie. I think you believe that Philip uh, would maybe be more effective on the wing. That's kind of my opinion. I see him in the middle. He is a big, powerful player. And when he gets going, he is a power center. But he doesn't distribute the puck especially well. I don't think he has great vision in the middle either. He doesn't make his wingers better. At times, he wavers in, in his commitment to playing away from the puck, and, and there are lessons that he can learn. But I, I just don't quite see the improvement from year to year on Philip. I think, in fact, you could point to two years ago as, as maybe his best sustained run as a Ranger, and I thought that came when he was on the wing. And David Quinn did use him on the wing that year in uh, in eighteen nineteen. So I wouldn't over dramatize the fact that he was scratched for a game. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, especially if the coach thought his uh, habits were um, in need of correction. And and what I get from Gallant is uh, because he you know he he doesn't really explain his moves. What I infer is that he sits guys when he doesn't like their battle level, when he doesn't think they're competing as hard for loose pucks, or if he doesn't think they're as hard on the de- uh, you know on the defensive side as they are on the offensive side. He doesn't bench players for mistakes, but I think he benches them for what he perceives as wavering effort. Now, having said that, I want to transfer over to Lafreniere. I think the same thing is kind of happening with him. I was kind of surprised the other day when he got in a fight. He says, well, this is my first fight ever. And I think it's more than that. It's not just his first fight ever. I think it's uh, the compete level that's expected. I don't think he's had to compete really hard at the junior level that's expected. Like if you're not scoring, I want to see some passion out of you. And so we're starting to see that now. So my question to you, would it be the worst thing to send him? Because a lot of it has to do with confidence and managing the puck. Would it be the worst thing? to send him down for four or five, six games in the minors to get quality ice time, manage the puck, score a few goals. Do you think that would be the worst thing for him? Not as a form of punishment, but just let him go score some goals. I don't think it would be a very constructive thing. <laughs> I don't know if it would be the worst thing, but I don't, I don't, I don't think it's something the Rangers I, – I don't think the Rangers think that would be a very, very productive move. I think that Lafreniere's game kind of comes and goes, and and I think you make a good point that he probably wasn't pushed very much in junior because he his talent and his tire package elevated him to such a large degree above his peers that he probably wasn't challenged all that often. At times the pace gets a little bit quick for Lafreniere here. Who's taking his minutes? Who's playing? What I found really instructive was, you know that Gallant wasn't particularly happy with him a few nights ago. However, in Arizona the other night, they're protecting a one-goal lead in the last minute. Who's on the ice? Alexei Lafreniere. And so that's what I mean, you know, by Gallant. He, you know, he'll sit a guy for a purpose, but the guy's not going to, you know, he, he's not going to freeze a guy out if he sees effort from him. He's always coming back to him. There is a reason why he was the first overall. And I think, you know, we see glimpses of it. We need to see it on a more consistent basis. The Rangers need to see it on a more consistent basis. But a lot of it, I think, is him sometimes not being able to keep up with the pace. And I, and I, I just think that 
this next summer is going to be critical for him. I think the Rangers need to design a an offseason program for him so that he comes in next year, you know, at peak efficiency. And um, that's what I see when I see Alexi Lafreniere. Yeah, Ron, I'm, I'm happy you asked about that because I can't even tell you how many people are Post Sports Plus subscribers ask me that that exact variation of the question if, you know, Lafreniere needs time in the minors. But I agree with Larry. I think that he needs to develop his game at the NHL level. I feel like going to the minors is something that you do when you need a player to go and dominate somewhere. And he dominated in juniors, you know, so I think he had that time. So I think it would be best for him to round his game out at the NHL level. But shifting away from the Rangers, the Olympics have been another hot topic of conversation recently, Larry. So I wanted to hear your take on whether or not the NHL should go. Well, the league has essentially left it up to the players unless there is a disruption in the schedule. And, you know, there might be because, you know, I I think, you know, we're looking at COVID now as it relates to the NHL and pro sports on a two-track vision. One is health, which is always paramount, but it doesn't seem as if we know with this variant and we know with people being vaccinated. And I think what's the number? All but three players in the NHL are vaccinated. I think that's the number. So players who are who are contracting or testing positive for COVID generally are not are generally asymptomatic and they're generally not getting sick. So I don't know that there is a real health risk involved in playing. It doesn't seem as though there is. But there is a you know, there there is, we see every night that teams are heavily compromised. You know, some teams have five guys on COVID list and they play and other teams have seven and they don't and some teams are sell, you know, are putting skeleton lineups on the ice, and I, I haven't been able to get to the bottom of it. But the Avalanche was permitted to vote last night, and whether they wanted to play, and, and I'm not aware of any other team being given the option to play or not. The league either shut them down or they didn't. So that's one thing. So if there's a disruption in the schedule, the NHL will pull out of the Olympics. There's no doubt about that. The NHL does not want to go. They made the deal with the players. They've left it to the players for the most part. If I'm a player, I'm, I'm really leery about going because with the spread of COVID, it's one thing if you test positive over here and you have to quarantine or you're out for 10 days. From everything we know, if a player tests positive in China, they are going to be restricted and quarantined in China in a facility in China for three to five weeks. Are you taking the chance if you're a player? Is, is, is this really worth it? I just don't see the value in it. I mean, look, I love the Olympics. I love the NHL going to the Olympics. I, um, I think it should be a staple um, every four years. The NHL goes. The NHL goes. But this year, I, I just think it's, it's kind of the wrong time, and I think it's the wrong place. If I were the Players Association, I would take a really hard look at this. You can say, well, there'll only be maybe only be a few guys, but what if you're the guy? And then imagine if, if you know you're an NHL team and you have three or four of your guys over there testing positive, and they are out for three to five weeks, and they're not going to be skating for those three to five weeks. So you're going to lose a player. You're going to lose like a handful of players, and they're obviously all stars who are going to the Olympics. You then have the risk of losing three to five of your best players for for a month or two. Uh, You know, it just doesn't compute for me. It just doesn't. Well said, Larry. Uh, Thanks so much for coming on in your weekly spot, and we'll chat again next week. Sounds good, Molly. Thanks, guys. Don't open the door for me. (laughs)
Our very special guest this week is one of my favorite people of all time, to be honest with you guys. He enjoyed a seven-year professional hockey career before spending a couple years behind the bench, and now he's been an MSG Network analyst for the Rangers since, since September 2006. You know you know him. Please welcome Joe Micheletti. Joe, welcome to the show. How are you? Molly, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. And, and uh, yeah, you and I have become close ever since you finally started talking to me, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you are always the okay for context to our listeners. For, I went through a bit of rookie hazing in the beginning of the season at the hands of Joe Micheletti. I would basically walk into the room, and if I didn't address Joe within the first two minutes that I was in there, he just gave me so much. <laughs> he would be like, well, "She just it, walks it right past me." Medical, Molly, it was at least when we made. I, I I have this approach that when you make eye contact with someone, you should at least say hello. <laughs> I, I I I don't even know why I would do that. I think I would just be so overwhelmed walking to the room, thinking of all the things that I had to do, and I would just walk right past Joe, and he would be so offended. So now, whenever I think she I was starstruck. <laughs> Let's be real, Molly was a little starstruck, and and she she you know she couldn't say anything. I get it. But now, whenever I walk into the room, the first person I look for is Joe Micheletti so I can address him and say hi so we don't have to deal with now that. We, we, have, we have some fun, which is, uh, which is what you have to do in this business. So Our other host, Ron Duguay, you have some experience. When the Rangers, I guess, gooned the Blues back in the day, you know, they, they beat you guys. Do you, you have fond memories or bad memories uh, going up against Ron? Uh, well, I have uh, fond memories of Ron, but bad memories in how we, in the 80-81 season, when when our Blues were um, second overall in the league, and that was uh, at the time there were 21 teams, and I, I know Ron's Rangers, uh, I believe they finished 14th or 15th, and it was an unbalanced schedule, but back at that time, it was number one in the league played number 16 in the league in the first round of playoffs. Number two played 15. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ron, but you guys, I think, finished 15th, and you knocked off, finished 14, knocked off L.A. in the first round, then we played you guys in the second round, and you beat us in six. Yeah, I was, I'm, I'm still not happy about that, so why is Ron even on today? <laughs> so my my memory of that joe is that uh, we our team was built around playing against the flyers and as you know they had a big tough team so they bought they brought in hospital katsopolis Barry back so we had a tough team and we went into la we played a certain way uh we kind of gooned them i'm gonna bring that old term back we gooned them we beat them and we took that to st louis and we made it a very physical series but when I go back and watch, you know, I remember you because you were a skilled guy. You're back on defense, playing D. Not that we were a better team. We just played a different style. But I want to take you back before that, where you uh, started in Edmonton in the WHA. And uh, when you look at your numbers, both seasons there, you scored 14 goals as a defenseman. But in your second season, you have this uh, unique situation where not many got to play with Wayne Gretzky in his rookie year. So can you share with us what it was like for you to be there? You were there kind of a, not a veteran, but you were there as a older guy. But here comes Wayne Gretzky. What was that like for you to watch him become Wayne Gretzky? You know, we had heard, obviously, about this phenom. First time we played against Wayne, he was he started that season with the Indianapolis Racers. So we actually played against 
uh, Wayne in Indianapolis. And I remember uh, one of my teammates was Steve Carlson, one of the Hanson brothers. And Steve really tried to make it tough on, on Wayne when Wayne was, you know, 17 years old. And then after the game, Steve says, you know what? I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I've never played against them. I'm still not sure about, you know, all the hype and how great he is. Then, of course, we made a trade for him, and he comes now to Edmonton. And after practices, and Ron, I'm sure you did the same thing. The practice would be over, and we take the we take both nets, we bring them to the blue lines, and there'd be two, you know, two or three on each team, and we just play a little shinny hockey for you know until we didn't feel like playing anymore. And so that's when I really got to know about Wayne because we'd play these two on twos, these three on threes, and and then you'd just go, oh. Okay, now I get it. And the first thing I thought of after playing some of those games with Wayne was some of the things I had read about Bobby Orr when he used to do the same thing uh, after practices with some of the, with some of his teammates, and and the teammates would they would comment that uh, he wouldn't give us the puck. He kept the puck, we couldn't get it from him. He wouldn't give it to us, and it was you know that's how uh, Bobby Orr was. And so Wayne was the same way. You now he's 17 years old, and he's got the puck. He's in his skates and it's on a stick and it's just and then you go oh okay now I'm now I, I kind of get this thing and then the way he handled himself with the media at that age back then was uh was obviously special because he'd had so much pressure on you know growing up in in, in Canada and so it was awesome playing with him and I can say this to this day he hasn't changed much from the person he was back then at 17 to who he is today when I run into him and see him. He hasn't changed much at all from, you know, from where he came from. So it was pretty special. I wish wish he would have rubbed off on me a little bit more, though. I I needed needed more of his skills to rub off on me. It didn't happen. Rangers MSG Network analyst Joe Micheletti on Up in the Blue Seat with us. I want to go back to your college days where you were coached by Herb Brooks at the University of Minnesota, where also coached Ron. How did he in the 70s shape your playing, coaching, your broadcasting career? I imagine he changed a lot of things in perspective for you and I would assume may make you a better player and a coach. Jake, he was to me uh, the greatest coach I ever played for. What he he was ahead of his time back in the, you know, my first year there was 1974 and so he was ahead of his time because he had already started to study the European style and the Russian style and the Czech style of of puck control. But what he did is he integrated that into a North American style. And so we had, so I played for her for four years and we won a couple of national championships. We lost one national championship. So, so we had, you know, our, our teams were, were really, were really good teams uh, for that stretch of time. When Herb took over as the head coach for the Olympics, I thought, you know, if there's one person that can pull something off, that's crazy. And I never thought they'd win the gold, but uh, but have success, it would be Herb. So I learned so much from from Herb about the game and how was it played, and and even more importantly, about he had this, I think, incredible ability to read people uh, and get and and really understand what buttons to push for each individual player. And I think it all came out in the Olympics about how he was able to manage that. But I learned about that while I was playing for him and when I was his captain my, my senior year because we used to have conversations about certain players and why he would say something to some player and nothing to, to someone else. He, he would explain to me his thought process and how it worked and what the effect would be, and it was all about teams. So 
yeah, I, I, I just, I learned so much from, from Herb and he became very close with, uh, with my, with my parents. And one of nine kids, my brothers and sisters, he was like a brother to them. And, and he went to extraordinary lengths to get to my parents' funerals, uh, when they passed away. I mean, that's, we need more time to talk about that, but, uh, that's how special the guy was. Oh, that's so nice, Joe. Switching gears a little bit, we've had your partner, Sam Rosen, on the show before. And whenever I see you guys, you're always together, of course. So I just wanted to ask what it's like working with him or, or what's something about him that maybe people wouldn't know? Great working with him. Been here, you know, as the voice of the Rangers for, for so long. I think he's in his, I might be wrong, but I believe this is his 38th season as the voice of the Rangers. So I don't think there's much that people don't know. You know, the, the one thing that is always, I mean, there's always, there's other things, but I mean, there's, there's something that's always stood out for me is that he's never, he never lost his enthusiasm and his passion for the Rangers and for what he does. It's constant. You know, all the time. So working working with Sam has just been awesome. Uh, I've been fortunate to to work with uh, a bunch of Hall of Famers in my in my broadcasting career, and Sam is is one of those. And so, uh, and we just, you know, what we both kind of have the same thing. We try to we try to work hard be prepared, you know, and then have some fun while we're, while we're working together. So, and obviously he's, uh, he's a legend in New York for, for what he's done broadcast wise. And having covered a good amount of Rangers teams, what would you say has stood out to you the most about this current one? That's a good question, Molly. I thought, you know, I, I think that I don't think I can put my finger on, on one thing. I mean, the first thing I stand out is that they're one of the best teams in the league. Their, their record proves that out. Have they had ups and downs like everybody? Of course. And some people say, well, it's the goaltending. Well, guess what? You can't win without goaltending. Your goaltender is part of your team. So I, I just think that there's that there's so many different storylines with this group from the goaltenders to Adam Fox, who I think is better this year than he was a season ago when he won the Norris Trophy as the league's best defenseman, to their players up front, to the young players, and, and to watch them continue to make steps to get to get better. And, you know, the different, you know, the new coach and the new coaching staff. And I, I so, so I find it difficult to, to pinpoint one thing, Molly, but I just think that there's so many different elements and we've seen them win games in so many different ways this season. I just don't think that we've seen the best hockey out of their out of the team yet, and yet they're one of the top teams in the league. I, I think that there's more positive things, you know, coming down the road if, if they can stay healthy. Well, there you have it, Rangers fans. A glowing review from Joe Micheletti. <laughs> thanks so much for joining us, Joe, and we'll have to have you on again sometime soon. Molly, thanks so much for having me. And, and Ron, good to get caught up with you. And Jake, thanks so much, you guys. I appreciate it. Wow, it's been a fun week. All right, Ronnie, that wraps up episode 68, the Yamir Yager edition. What a great player he was. Played forever like you did. Of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Well, thank you, Jake and your heart for producing the show. And before we leave, Jake, I got to ask you, what is it that you're wearing? <laughs> well, someone tweeted me that saying that's more Duguay than Schwartz. Paul Schwartz, our, our Giants co-host. But you disagree. You said you would not wear it. This is my, I call it the Silk Sonic shirt. I got it at the thrift shop for uh, Buffalo Exchange, like 20 bucks. I forget what the price was but i'm a big fan if you felt the material maybe i'll wear it when we go to a ranger game i'll wear this you wear one of your blazers and uh we'll see what happens well there's certainly a shine to it i'm not quite sure i can't make out the pattern it looks like see i don't like flowers 
Yeah, it's it's a little feminine. So what you're wearing is looking a little feminine. <laughs> well, listen, I, I love the Mamma Mia soundtrack. So, I mean, listen, some, I guess I like some feminine things. It was in the man, men's section. So I assume it is, is for a grown man like me. Are you sure it was in the oversized women's? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the big and tall, the plus size women's store. Yeah, I got that Lane Bryan, actually, not at the thrift shop. Jesus Christ. Well, what about you and your backdrop you're in right now? You have a supermodel behind you across the wall. Can you explain to our listeners? Maybe we'll post the video of this, Andrew, of uh, this clip here so people could see your backdrop. Explain. Well, if anyone knows anything about my past, I was married a long time to supermodel Kim Alexis. And uh, I was here for Thanksgiving uh, with my son. And she's given me a wonderful son. And so we're, you know, of course, we're friends. And so I'm back in Arizona on a mission to I have some friends I'm going to meet. They've invited me to come back and stay here. And so I'm set up in her office. And as you know, she was called a supermodel for a reason. She had over 500 covers. And so that's why Kim is in my background. And there's nothing more I can say about that. <laughs> All I got to say about that. Secret agent, run. Secret agent, run. We'll hear about this mission maybe one day. But yeah, I was like, who's behind your wall? And then I said, model. You're like, no, there's an S in front of that. It's supermodel. Get that right. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Just search for Up in the Blue Seats. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. For number 10, Ronda Gay, Molly Walker, Andrew Hartz, I'm Jake Brown. We will return next Thursday back in the normal slot following Wednesday's Ranger game. Happy holidays, everyone, as the Christmas season is upon us and New Year's. Thanks for listening and enjoy the upcoming week of Ranger games.